I'm just sitting here thinking about Haley Bieber. Just thinking about Haley Bieber. What does that even sound like? Do you even know what I'm saying? <laughs> Haley Bieber. Haley Bieber. Well, if it isn't Haley Bieber. Justin Bieber's wife is who I'm talking about. I, I've never even heard of her. I'm just I'm having the usual insomnia. And uh, I, I just saw a headline that said something about Haley Bieber. And I'm like, oh, that's a good name. That's like the perfect young millennial zoomer age woman's name Haley Bieber Haley Bieber I like Justin Bieber I like him he's at a good trajectory because like I didn't you know I didn't even know where he came from like I knew that he was uh, I, th I think he got big on YouTube I think that he started out making singing videos on YouTube and then he obviously got very famous I'm sure I've heard, I think I maybe heard one, I know that I've heard his music probably many times, but there's only been one time many years ago that I know that I was hearing Justin Bieber. I like it. his whole trajectory is great though. Like one, he looks like a little lesbian, of course. He looks like a lesbian who's trying to look tough, kind of like a wigger lesbian, which, you know, I've talked about before on here. I have to stop myself from talking about it again. But I like him because it's like he's going for this sort of ex-con aesthetic, which everybody does know. You know, I, I was talking to Miles in 2004, I think it was. When Miles first moved here, we had a conversation about how cool prison tattoos look. You know, I don't have any tattoos. But we were just talking about how prison tattoos always look cool because they're kind of they look like a sketch. You know, they don't look professional, but there's something good about them. There's something uh, like biker art, biker tattoos, any of that. There was always something kind of cool about them. But the thing is, they become uncool if you're not tough. If you're not actually an inmate or a biker or a criminal, you look stupid when you get those. You think you're going to look cool. But what makes them cool is the fact that it's one, they, they do look cool, but it's also the, the sort of person who has them. Like it, it creates an atmosphere, creates an atmosphere. But that's kind of what they are. They're like atmospheric tattoos. They're like faded, homemade. But you can't just get that and look like that. And nobody had those at the time. Like the only people who actually had prison style tattoos in 2004 were actual ex-cons and bikers. But I should have known. I mean, like, we should have known that within five to ten years, hip people would, would realize that, oh, I can get one of those too. Because people started to realize, like, knowing people who have tattoos, they started to realize that getting, like, a really well-done sleeve, getting a really well-done half-sleeve no longer had the effect it once had. Like, that might as well be a Nike swoosh. That might as well be... Just it, it just started to look generic. And so I started to notice like hip, artsy people started to get prison tattoos. And not just that, but they started to put them in random locations. Because when tattoos got big, like I was talking about, like people wanted it to be all orchestrated. They'd be like, oh, well, my plan, they always, they always had a plan. Oh, my plan is to get like a half sleeve here and then it's going to connect to this. 
and everything was placed very deliberately, very in a very aesthetic way. Like people planned out all their tattoos and the placement and everything. Like, oh no, I'm saving that spot for this tattoo. And they, they, they wanted to balance themselves out or to have everything kind of connect in some way, to have all their tattoos be cohesive. But after that became totally normal, artsy people were like, oh no, I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to just get like a random tattoo on my thigh and then like a random one on my wrist and like they're going to look, they're going to be homemade. And uh, now everybody has those. Famous people have them. I mean, I'm talking about the Biebers here. The lovely couple, the Biebers. I'm talking about the Biebers. The Biebers. They both have them. Because he's got like the neck, he's got like a rose on his neck. Neck tattoos got big. Because that's part of it. You used to only see... Like, I remember being... At, I was dropping my girlfriend off many, many years ago. She would take the bus to go visit her parents in another city. And I would drop her off there. And uh, the guys who... Uh, these these One time I was dropping her off. And, like, a bunch of these guys... They were, like, inmates. They were actual cons. Like, they might even have still been in prison. And they had some sort of work release thing. But they were taking that bus can make all the jokes you want about my girlfriend getting on a bus filled with like a bunch of convicts. But, uh, you know, the, I saw these guys and like one of them, I remember like he had like a really shitty marijuana leaf on his neck. And I remember like some really, I remember like when people first started to get neck tattoos, like who weren't just ex cons, like there was this dude I knew of kind of peripherally through music and some things who had a pirate flag tattooed on his neck. Just, oh, oh. But then like normal people and like famous people started to get neck tattoos. And it's like, it doesn't have the same effect when you do it. The magic comes from the fact that like the people who do that are actually legitimate scumbags and you can't pretend to be that. But yeah, Justin Bieber, he has a, a, like a rose tattooed on his neck. And then his girlfriend, or his wife, excuse me, it's his wife. That's no woman, that's my wife. She has like finger tattoos. Because this is the first time I've ever even heard of her. I didn't even know Justin Bieber was married. I didn't even know Justin Bieber was married. But I'm looking, so I decided to look, I saw the name and I was like, Haley Bieber. That's like the perfect name. That's a name made in heaven. And I looked at her, and of course, she's exactly what you look like. She looks like an android. She's got kind of a long face, looks like very fake-looking lips. When women fuck with their lips, it's terrible. Especially if it's a girl like this, where she's got very slim, fine features. And I don't mean fine as in fine. I mean fine as in, like, very slender. Like, a very slender nose, a very slender face. She looks like an android. She looks like an a it looks like AI-generated. Like, maybe... You know, maybe AI and, uh, you know, androids are so far along that Justin Bieber was just like, you know what? Like, I'm going to I'm going to be the first guy to have an android wife. I don't know who she is. I don't know if she's famous on, in her own right. But I looked her up because I was like, I got to see Haley Bieber. I got to see Haley Bieber. And she's got finger tattoos, but they're like they're random. They're like I'm looking at them right now. It's some sort of esoteric looking like dotted symbols on her fingers and then. 
it says like 330 or something like like on her on another part it's it's just it's like random prison tattoos like just impulsive looking unplanned little looks like they're homemade yeah they they look very homemade like stick and poke and it's just funny though that like that's so common now it's it's so common and i mean i don't even want to get into this but i'll, I'll just mention it which is like obviously all these young rappers now have the face tattoos. Same thing. It doesn't have the effect you think it has. Like I have a friend, like she's she's a stripper who has a, a tattoo on her forehead. She's cool, you know. Like she's got a tattoo on her. It's it's kind of it looks like kind of like pagan. I don't I don't know what it is. But it's not like the under the eye thing. Like, I've never seen somebody, I'm sure there's a, there's people with that kind of tattoo. She's the only person I can remember seeing who just has a tattoo that goes across her forehead. Not counting, like, words. <laughs> you know, I've, seen, I've seen where, like, someone gets, like, a, like a word. <laughs> I've seen where someone just gets, like, a word tattooed across their forehead. Like, that's, like, the sort of person who just doesn't care about life anymore. But, uh... Normally you don't you don't really see like all these people getting face tattoos. They don't really get a they don't get just like a, a design across their forehead like a friend of mine has. But uh like what they do is they get like random tattoos on their face. Obviously rappers, like like probably kind of hardened guys got it initially, like gangster rappers, I'm guessing. But then you can see where like every young sheltered kid who wants to set himself apart like gets a tattoo under his eye and a tattoo here I don't, I don't even want to give it any more time but it's part of everything i'm talking about where it's like oh yeah when you do it you actually ruin the effect and i you know i've stopped myself from doing many things for that very reason like there's things that i think are really cool or i used to think were really cool but i ultimately didn't do it because i was like if if someone like me does that it's not going to be the real thing. I'm going to bring it down. I don't have I don't have the right to do that. I mean, and I don't give a fuck that all these people have fake prison tattoos. But it's just funny to see that. Like, Justin Bieber, like, I, I love him. I, I legitimately love him, I think. I legitimately love Justin Bieber. No, I wouldn't say that. I've never, this is actually the first time that I've ever, like, even thought favorably about him. I've never hated him. I've never been someone who has any problem with him. I just never thought of about him one way or another. But uh, this is the first time when, like, I've thought about Justin Bieber and be like, he's kind of awesome. Because it's like he he has no street credibility whatsoever, but he went all in on this hardened street criminal ex-con aesthetic. Meanwhile, he looks like a little lesbian. A little lesbian. Not even a twink. Like, he doesn't even look like a little gay boy, a little gay man. He just looks like a lesbian. It's like there's a there's a fine line between someone looking like a twink and looking like a boyish lesbian, and he's on the boyish lesbian side. That just makes me like him more. But at some point, he decided to go all in on this, this hardened aesthetic. Meanwhile, he has no credibility. He acts like it, too. That's the best part, is he acts like he's really tough. And he's this guy who got famous for having like a little shaggy swoop haircut and singing like an angel. Just this little boy from, I think, Canada. I think he's Canadian, which I forget about. And then at some point, though, he had this transformation where he 
<laughs> he started looking and acting like this. And I know his dad's kind of like that too. I remember there was something in the news about his dad years ago, and his dad has a bunch of tattoos, and he's kind of become the friend dad from what I gather. Like he parties with old Justin. He parties with his boy lesbian, his boyish lesbian son. But Haley Bieber, I'd recommend looking her up. Just look at her. I'm looking at her right now. She reminds me of something, like something not human. And not, not the android thing that I was talking about. It's like a certain animal. There's, there's like, not a, it's like a deer-like animal that lives in another country. It's not a gazelle. No, it's definitely not a gazelle. Everyone always talks about gazelles. What's up with that? Gazelle is always people's go-to foreign deer-like animal. What's your go-to foreign deer-like animal? Oh, it's a gazelle. The number of times I've heard people reference gazelles, like often jokingly, I don't even know why that is. I guess because there's a phrase, people are like, oh, he's, he moves like a gazelle. She moves like a gazelle. I've heard, that's, I think that's why I've heard it. But I'm trying to think of what she looks like. It might not be a deer-like animal, but it's like her long face and her, her very fine, thin features. But the lips thing, her lips look very fake. And if you have like very slender features, don't do anything to your lips. I mean, don't do anything to your lips, period. I just don't understand. I see it all the time. Like I'll see these Instagram girls. Their faces are so fucked up. And I don't really look at Instagram anymore. I, I don't look up random Instagram girls, but it's that type of girl. Like I, I will look at smutty image boards and things on occasion, and uh, it, it's kind of you know, it's like a more X-rated version of Instagram, where it's just like girls post posing, you know. And they have those fucked up faces a lot of the time, and I don't understand how a guy can even be attracted to that, because it's even different than the plastic surgery of old. It's a lot stranger. There's something very disturbing. I've mentioned this before, but I think they're actually getting plastic surgery to make themselves look the way they look on an Instagram filter. Like, I think that girls are... They've presented themselves using these filters and these effects for so long that now when they get surgery, they're actually getting surgery to look the way these filters make them look. And the result is way worse than the filters even. And I don't like the filters. I don't, I don't like the filters. The result is worse than the filters and they look fucked up. And it's, it's not just one type of girl. I see black girls with it. I see girls of all races doing this. There's something weird with the cheekbones. But it's not, like I said, it's not the old, because I mean, women have always been doing things to their cheekbones. They've always been getting plastic surgery there. But this is something different. And part of it's the makeup. I've noticed that the makeup they're putting on accentuates their face in this really unnatural way. And I never had an issue with makeup. Like, it, it always just seemed normal to me. I'm not one of these guys who's like, I like girls when they don't wear makeup. I like girls when they don't wear makeup. I like girls who are organic and earthy. Like, I mean, you know, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. I like a little bit of makeup, maybe. But in the last few years, I've become really aware of makeup and how weird it is. Like, I'll be in the store or out in public doing something. 
and I see a woman wearing makeup and I'm like, it, it, it really is weird that she's painted up like that. It really is weird that it's that noticeable. I never would have thought that. I was even attracted to it when I was younger. Like, as I've said before, like, I like trashy women. I've never been involved with one, but like, visually, I love trashy women. So I always liked like heavy makeup in that way. But it's only been in the last few years that when I see it, it's it's not even that it repels me or I, I really think anything about it. I'm just like, wow, that is weird. That like you go out into public with your face all painted up. You know, there's that Barry Mann song that I played on Every Night's a School Night. Remember that show? So much for doing a, a, a show every season. Haven't done one since what, December? I don't know. I think it was December. I did the last Every Night's a School Night. Maybe I'm I'm due for another one. But uh, there was a Barry Mann song, not Barry Mann alone. It's just Barry Mann, M-A-N-N, called War Paint, and it's about a girl getting dressed up and putting on makeup, and he calls it War Paint, which I like, and that's kind of what it's like now. When I see women wearing makeup in public, I'm kind of like, oh, she's got War Paint on, and it kind of is going to war. Like she's going to war with people who might otherwise not find her attractive or might judge her face. So she's putting on war paint to deal with that. But yeah, these, this, this Instagram makeup, plastic surgery, and to be honest, I can't tell where the makeup begins and the plastic surgery ends. I can't tell where one begins and the other ends or where I can't tell the difference anymore. But there's something, it, I get kind of an uncanny valley effect. And it's a massive turnoff for me. Like if I'm in a lecherous mood looking at smut, and I see that, it's almost impossible for me to get past it. And I mean, for that matter too, like you see it with, just the direction plastic surgery is gone there's something that they get done to their midsection too. Like since big asses became popular, which is funny that like certain sexual traits suddenly become popular. Like I always remember gravitating toward that. Like I always remember gravitating toward that part of a woman's body more than her chest. But at some point, like the memo went out that's like, we're into this now. And I still remember like hanging out with some friends. I think I was down in Portland and, a friend was visiting from out of town and someone was like, did you see the tits on her? And, and another friend of mine said, tits, what are you? My grandpa thought that was funny. Cause it's true. It's kind of a grandpa thing. Like men from a previous generation. Like I feel like what men focus on or what men talk about, like it went from legs like a long time ago. It was like, did you see the legs on her? Like, I've never heard a friend, I've never heard a peer of mine from my generation point out a woman's legs. You almost sound gay when you do it. Oh, man, the leg. Oh, we call her legs because have you seen her legs? But it went legs. Like, men used to be like, her legs. Oh, look at her, look at her legs, man. I just like a woman's legs. It went from legs to boobs, boobs. Where guys are all about boobs and tits. As if those are two different things. I had to say them both. 
like boobs and tits. They kind of are. I think I th- they kind of are. I think you could make a, an argument that there's a difference. Like, I think you could make an argument there's a difference between a butt and an ass. I don't like saying the word butt. Something about it. I feel embarrassed to use the word butt, but not the word ass. I've always felt that way, too. But I think you could make an argument there's a difference between a butt and an ass. There's a difference between a boob and a tit. We're getting real sophisticated here. Getting real sophisticated. But, uh... <laughs> now, gener- <laughs> just to finish my point, generationally, it's like men used to be like, leg- our legs, I, I just like a woman's legs. To like, do you see the tits on her? And then for the last, I don't know, 15 years, it's been a focus on the ass. It's funny that like, even that is kind of a social contagion. And I mean, social contagion, like that plays a role in, in sexuality where I've, ta- I've told this story before, but like when I was in seventh grade, it was the closest thing that I've ever experienced to there's something about Mary. And I don't remember the plot of that movie, but I think what that was about was how like every guy was was just enamored by Cameron Diaz. And every, every once in a while that happens. But when I was in seventh grade, like every single boy had a crush on this one girl. Her name was Brittany. So many Britneys back then. Always a Brittany around. But there was a girl, Brittany. Very tall, very slender, absolutely beautiful. But there was nothing that really made her stand out. Like, she didn't have a chest. She didn't really have a womanly body. She was tall and thin. She wasn't well-developed in any way. She didn't have an hourglass figure. Very pretty face. She wasn't particular. Like, we were all hitting puberty, but it's like, she didn't really have that strong of a sex appeal. Like, there was just something about her. Something about Brittany. And every single boy was into her. There were other girls who were cool. And the thing is, she didn't really have much of a personality either. I don't mean that as an insult. But she was very introverted. And, like, when she did talk, like, I went to her house once. Her family had a hot tub. And I went to her, me and a friend. I think I think that, like, she and a group of girls were at her house. And they called my house and invited my friend and I over. And I mean, I was just this fat boy. I think they were calling because they wanted my friend to come over. I think they knew he was at my house, so they wanted him to come over. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted a fat boy in the hot tub. And just this is humiliating. I'm just going to I'm going to just share it. Uh, I ended up wearing her mom's swimming trunks because we went over there. Like we didn't know we were getting in a hot tub. And I didn't have shorts. And so, like, they, they got her... Her mom had, like, a... It was, like, a pair of men's swimming trunks, to be fair. It wasn't, like, a woman's bathing suit, which would be really fucked up. If I had put on a, a woman's bathing suit to hang out with a bunch of girls when I was 12 or 13. But she ended up, like, pulling out this pair of, like, her mom's swimming trunks. And they were baggy off, even on me. Even as a fat boy, like, her mom's trunks were pretty baggy on me. At least I wasn't wearing a shirt. Think about how horrible. <laughs> Think about <laughs> if, if I went over to like a girl's house and we all got in the hot tub and I was just wearing a shirt, wearing her mom's trunks and a shirt. 
but I don't think I was wearing a shirt. I think I did that once. I do remember there, I think there was one time where I wore a shirt in the pool or something and I realized I was never going to do that again. You used to see that all the time though. Like you go to the pool, went to the pool a lot as a kid and there'd always be another fat boy there in a, in a shirt and it'd be, and the thing was too, it's like, it was less flattering than the flesh. Like, yeah, maybe you don't want people to see your belly and your, your, your little boy boobs. But it's like that thing's, it's going to be so uncomfortable in that pool. It's going to hug you. It's going to hug all the worst parts of your body. It's not like you're just wearing a baggy shirt, a baggy dry shirt. You're wearing this like soaking wet shirt. And like, you're going to have to carry that around. Like, even if you wring it out, like you're, you're carrying around this wet shirt. I mean, there's no worse feeling than carrying around a wet shirt. But yeah, going over to that girl's house, Brittany, getting in the hot tub, wearing her mom's trunks. But the thing was, it was funny. At one point, there was a group of four girls and there were three boys. My friend and I, and then like another boy came over. Four girls, three boys. But at one point, like they got out of the hot tub and they ran over to the street and they started flashing the street. These are little girls. They're 13 years old. And I found out that this group of girls did that. One of these girls who was there, I found out, had actually bared it all. Like they had a nickname for her, 550. Her nickname among this group of girls was 550. Because she had, had a sleepover or something. Like she had gone out and like... Not just flashed her chest, but she had flashed everything. The entire front of her body. And they called her 550. And I, I don't know. This is I don't know if this is a reference to something, but like I asked what it meant, and they said like two quarters, one for each boob, for each nipple, and then a five dollar bill over the crotch. I don't know where they came up with that. Like, I don't think she actually had a $5 bill on her crotch and that she was holding a quarter over each nipple. But that was what they were referring to when they said 550. And so they would, they would call her 550. It was kind of esoteric. Like, if you didn't know what that meant, you're like, why do they call her 550? I, maybe I should look it up. I, I almost don't want to know. I'd like to imagine they came up with it themselves. And uh, I don't know what was going on with these girls. They weren't bad girls. The, the 550 girl had a lot of problems. She she fell in love with a friend of mine at a really young age and was threatening to kill herself because he didn't reciprocate. And she, this kid had a birthday party and it was one of the first boy-girl birthday parties and she spent the entire party on the side of the house like threatening to kill herself and it was, it was one of those like early experiences in melodrama where like me and like other people, like we would go to the side of the house and like consult with her and like try to console her and be like, oh, you know, it's, it'll be fine. It's okay. Like, you know, it's okay. And then after the party, the boys all stayed the night. Like the girls went home, the boys all stayed the night at the birthday boy's house. And that girl called the house. 
She was obsessed, obsessed with my friend. And he just had no interest. He was a nice guy. He wasn't a jerk. He was just had no interest in this girl. And I remember talking to her on the phone and like consoling her on the phone. And that year, at the end of the year, which was like months later, she, she took up an entire page in my yearbook. And it was like, thank you so much for being there for me through all that difficult stuff. And like, I didn't stay friends with her. Like, I, I wasn't even close friends with her or anything. I just kind of got sucked into this early melodrama. And I didn't even have a thing for her. It wasn't like I was consoling her because I had an interest in her. It just seemed like she seemed, I, I think what it was is like, when I'm, when I'm thinking about all this stuff I'm saying, like her, her falling in love with my friend, threatening suicide, spending the whole party on the side of the house for attention. It was very dramatic. Like literally, like the side of the house was pitch black. There were woods and stuff. And she just like leaned against the side of the house and like everyone just kind of took turns going over there and talking to her. You know, it was, it was obviously for attention. But then like thinking about that and then this 550 thing, like her not just flashing her boobs, what, what little of them existed at the time, but the fact that she flashed her crotch to the street. I don't know if cars were coming. I don't know if anybody saw it. it tells me maybe there was something going on. Tells me maybe there was something going on in that girl's life. Uh, I don't want to assume anything, but may, maybe some bad things had happened. I don't know. But she was always nice, but it was just 550. I want to go back to that. Like she, uh, I don't know where they got that. Like, I don't know if she literally put a $5 bill over her crotch and like held it there. Like Buffalo Bill style, Silence of the Lambs, like, like tucking kind of. Like tucking a dollar bill, a $5 bill. Because it seemed very specific. Like, why not 150? I guess 550 sounds better than 150. But they were very specific that like it referred to a $5 bill on the crotch and a quarter on each nipple. But I don't know if it was literal. And I don't know if it came from something or what, but they called her 550. But they weren't they weren't bad girls. But this group of girls, they, they, they were definitely willing to kind of test the waters. Because I knew some other girls, and they would have sleepovers, and they would have these inside jokes that seemed dirty. Like a group of girls who got really good grades would like come to school, and they'd be like giggling all day. And you'd ask what they were giggling about, and it would be some inside joke, and you'd think that it would be something dirty. Because that's like what the boys would come up with. Like if the boys had some kind of inside joke from a sleepover, it was probably going to be some like euphemism. It was probably going to be a, a reference to like some softcore porn movie they watched. But with girls, like, you'd find out what their inside joke was, and it was usually something so innocent. It was usually something, like, you know, just, just totally innocent. Childish, childlike. But this other group of girls, 550, that's crazy. But anyway, like, that, that group, being in the hot tub there, me wearing the one girl's mom's swimming trunks like a fool. I felt like such a fool. But I also felt so cool to be there. And I had a crush on, on the girl who lived there. Back to my original point, like, every fucking guy loved this girl. And there was no real reason. She didn't have a particularly interesting personality. And I don't mean that as a criticism. She just didn't. She was beautiful, but, like, not necessarily the most objectively beautiful girl in the class. Not the most well-developed girl. But I think it was social contagion. 
I think that naturally she was a girl who was going to get a certain amount of interest from boys. And I think like certain boys who had influence over other boys took an interest in her. And then so like the attention she was getting like caused her to get even more attention. Because like a certain number of boys were interested in her, a certain number of other boys were like, well, if they're, if they think she's great, I think she's great. Like it made them give her a second look, like a, a longer look than they might otherwise. And you can see people do that with everything. You know, people do it with music. They do it with movies. Like if they find out that the other people like something, they're more likely to like it unless they're disagreeable. But a lot of people, it's like if they find out someone else likes something, it's like, well, maybe I should like it too. Maybe I should like it. And in this case, like she was a girl who like, I, and, and here's the thing. I had a huge crush on her. I was obsessed with her for a little while. Not creepily. It wasn't creepy. I never bothered her or anything. But I was just infatuated with her. And everybody was. Like there was a time I was sitting around in class with a group of kids, not even friends of mine. But a lot of conversations at that age involve like, well, who's your crush? Like, I'll tell you if you tell me. And I remember like just with these random kids I wasn't even friends with, like nerdy guys. And they're like, well, who do you, who do you like? A lot of conversations like, who do you like? Who do you like? And like one of them is like Brittany. And I'm like, me too. And the other guy's like, oh, yeah, me too. So everybody and, and you, you tended to have like a single crush at any time. Like, there were a lot of girls I found pretty and I liked, but it was like, you tended to be focused on one particular girl. I miss those schoolboy crushes. Even though they were always unrealized, like, I never dated or anything in school. I, I miss that feeling, because it's like, I didn't do anything weird that I know of, but it was like, I was always aware of, like, where she was in the room. I was always excited, like, if I saw her somewhere. But, uh, social contagion. I think the reason why every single boy in the grade, and I think it, it really was every single boy, I think it was social contagion. I think it was like a certain number of boys took an interest in her, and then that just snowballed from there. And then overnight, it just disappeared. The next year, it wasn't true. By eighth grade, nobody really, I mean, I'm sure some guys still liked her, I still found her pretty, but I wasn't interested in her anymore. Nothing changed. Just all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly interested. And what, what does that tell you? There was no reason for it. And uh, I don't know, I have no idea if that still plays out. But social contagion, you know, applies to everything. You know, obviously we're seeing it right now in many different ways. It's going on all the time. A lot of times it's harmless. Other times it gets weird. I mean, we know some of what's going on with kids today with the gender stuff is definitely an example. We can see where in, in politics, social contagion plays a large role, collective psychosis. And I mean, it kind of was. I mean, thinking about all the boys getting obsessed with this one girl for a very short window of time and then the spell ending and all of us... Because it wasn't just me who lost interest in her practically overnight. It was true for everybody. Like if you were to ask all of those same boys the next year who they liked, they probably had a new girl. 
but it's, it is almost like a collective psychosis where like every boy was going to bed at night. Like I remember going to bed at night one time and thinking, I'm going to talk to her tomorrow. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to go up to her and I'm going to talk to her and see if she's interested. But I had no chance with her. You know, she obviously didn't have a problem with me. Like she invited me over to her house, even if she was actually inviting my friend. She invited me to her house and let me wear her mom's swim trunks. So that's that's how you know a girl likes you. You go over to her house and you're going to get in the hot tub and she gives you her mom's like goofy because they were they were really baggy on me. They had like that built-in swim trunk underwear inside of them. But they had a very like early 90s, maybe even 80s design. Like they weren't bright colors, but I think they had that sort of design, like a swirly. They were like the top of them was black and then they had some kind of like swirly design. Oh yeah, you know a girl likes you if she lets you borrow her mom's swirly swim trunks. I mean, she obviously didn't didn't hate me if she let me come over to her house. I think I went over there a couple times. But it's like, you know, I I, I had no chance with her. Like she could have got she could have picked any boy in the school. She's not going to choose the fat boy with like uh bleached hair with the front spiked up wearing like baggy cargo shorts just not gonna do it but it, it is that sort of thing like there's something about a specific girl and and guy I, I mean i've heard the phrase like i hate this phrase but i've heard like it girl like the it girl it's probably that i've never i don't even know what that is but i assume it's the same thing i'm talking about here but i'll tell you what she's no Haley bieber She's no Haley Bieber. She's no Haley Bieber. I don't know how I got talking about that. I don't know how I got talking about this girl, Brittany. But uh, I look back on those experiences. Like, that seemed pivotal at the time. Like, going over there and, like, being in the hot tub. I guess, guess, like, going back, like, one funny thing that happened is, like, before I got talking about 550, we were all in the hot tub that night and the the four girls got out of the hot tub, ran over to the street, and I don't even think there were any cars coming. It wasn't a busy street, and they they took off their tops. Like we didn't see it. And this girl had a stepdad, and of course, right then he came over to check on us, which is a good thing to do. If you have a bunch of thirteen year olds, like four girls, three boys in a hot tub, it's a good idea to just check on them. But he stuck his head out the window over the hot tub and he goes, where are the girls? And we didn't know what to say. Like, we didn't want to tell them they're, they're taking their tops off and flashing the road. I think we just said, I don't know. And my friend, after he left, my, my friend joked, he's like, it'd be funny if their heads just popped up out of the water. What do you tell a girl's stepdad, though, when you're having this teenage boy-girl hot tub party and her step and the girls are suddenly gone and the stepdad asks where they are and you can't tell him they're flashing cars, showing their underdeveloped breasts to cars or just the road, which is even crazier. Like, if there were no cars going by, it's even weirder that it's just like this ritual. It's like this daring ritual. Like, we're showing the spirits our breasts. But, like, what if you were driving by that? 
Like if I was driving by a house and suddenly like three or four 13 year old girls like flashed their breasts, it's like, am I going to prison for this? Am I going to prison? Cause I glanced, I'd be horrified. It would probably ruin my night. They're like these girls didn't have boobs. There was one girl. There was the, the boob girl. I mean, I, there's always a boob girl. I, I would say she was a tit girl. She had really big tits at a young age, and everybody knew it. Everybody, like, like everybody was well aware of it. She didn't get harassed or anything. I was kind of friends with her. She didn't get harassed. She was really into pop punk. She was like this pop punk fanatic with huge boobs. Right now, like, that sounds amazing. Having a, having a girlfriend with huge boobs who just listens to pop punk all the time. It sounds like a, a dream. <laughs> like, I mean, it's funny, like you get older and you're like, you know, that doesn't sound at the time. I remember being like, uh, pop punk sucks. Meanwhile, I'd been into pop punk like two years earlier, but I'd reached the point where I was like, oh, that, that, that shit's lame. She was cool though. Cause she, she was into like obscure pop punk, which sounds even cooler talking about it now. Because I think I probably talked about this before, but like pop punk is way better than punk. When you're a teenager getting into punk, you think like, oh, I'm into real punk. I'm into real punk. Pop punk sucks. That's pop punk's for posers. I'm into real punk. Like uh, the Sex Pistols and the Dick Kennedys. The Dick Kennedy. I like Dick Kennedy. I like Dick Kennedy. I don't know what that voice is. Um, I do know what it is, but, uh, yeah, when you, when you start thinking you're cool and you're into cool punk, you think you want to point out how much pop punk sucks, even though it was totally your gateway. And so at the time I remember thinking like, oh, she's really into shitty pop punk, but like she would get into really obscure stuff. Like she would always want to talk to me about it and I would give her so much shit. And I look back and I was like, why didn't I just marry that girl? Why was I so mean to her? She had huge boobs. She was attractive. It wasn't just the boobs. She was very attractive. And she always wanted to talk to me. Like, what was wrong with me? What the fuck was wrong with me? But now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, pop punk is way better than real punk. I hate punk. I hate quote unquote real punk. Most of it. Whereas like pop punk's great. Could be the most mainstream shit. I, I, I don't even know what some of that stuff is. Like I was really into Blink-182 when I was in like fifth and sixth grade, I think it was. But some of the bands that came after and got famous, like I don't know what they sound like. Like I never heard, hey, I'm not, not going to just sit here and list pop punk bands that I, I, I don't remember hearing. But she would go to like Warp Tour and get really into like the opening bands. And like she always knew, she always like knew who the good bands were like right before they got famous. And I kind of, you know, I respect that now. I respect that, that she was like digging into upcoming pop punk with her big, getting led, she was getting led around by her big boobs. Her big boobs were floating like balloons and they were drawing her toward new pop punk bands to get into. Where are the girls?
She wasn't one of the girls flashing though. The girls flashing, like they were under, they were undeveloped. They had chests like thirteen-year-old boys. Like I probably had bigger boobs than they did. So it'd be really weird to drive by these girls flashing, and like you're like, those are twelve or thirteen-year-old girls. I think they call those bee stings. That always grossed me out. But like when a young girl just has like nipples and like tiny little boobs, I think they call those bee stings. But just these girls showing you their their bee stings. That girl doing 550, like what the fuck would you do if you drove by that? A 12-year-old girl showing you everything. I mean that that just that really does sound like that she must have been traumatized. I think she had a stepdad too or something to that effect, like the suicide thing. You look back at like I mean that's my buddy Nick and I had this conversation years back. We were talking about girls. Well, we were talking about sexual assault statistics, like molestation statistics. It's just what I love. Me and my friends, we just sit around talking about molestation statistics. But one of us had, had read something about like the percentage of girls in school who have been molested or sexually assaulted at a young age. And we were talking about that and they were, we were like, you know, that means that a certain number of girls that we went to school with every day had something happen to them. And we were drinking on these railroad tracks. We took a case of beer to these railroad tracks and we were just sitting on the tracks like in the early morning hours of the night. And yeah, it might be morning, but it's still night. And we were just drinking beer, just talking, and we grew up together and we were like, you know, thinking about that, those that percentage. Like even if that doesn't apply to every single school, it's still, I mean, there's a certain percentage at every school. And we were talking about it, and like we both just started naming off girls' names. And like we we knew we could practically predict each other's thoughts. Where like he would name a girl and I would go, yep. And then I would name a girl. And we were practically saying the names at the same time. And not for any reason. Like it wasn't like there was any reason to suspect this about these particular girls. It was just like something about their demeanor. It wasn't even that they were overly sexualized or anything. We were just talking about like this certain sort of girl. Like these girls who gave off a certain energy that I wouldn't even be able to describe. But it was kind of dark. They weren't necessarily dark girls. Like they weren't necessarily sad. They didn't necessarily seem like anything was wrong. But they just gave off a certain energy. It's similar to, to when Miles and I bought weed in college from this girl. Somehow he like I hooked Miles up with a dealer I had. And then like that dealer wasn't available one day. So like he set Miles up with this girl who was selling weed, which is always weird. I lived next to a girl who sold weed a few years ago. That was weird. She was hot too. Lived right next door to her. I'd just go knock on the door and she'd sell me weed. But uh, this girl in college, like Miles somehow got, you know, set up to get weed from her. And like he had gone there once on his own or with somebody else. And then like he and I went there. And when we left, we were like, what was that? Like we both got this weird vibe from her. Where we were like. It was almost like she expected us to do something. Like Not like she was flirty or provocative or wanted anything to happen, but almost like she expected it 
and wasn't like going to resist. And like neither of us are that are that kind of person in any way, but it was just like there was just like something weird about her energy when we were there. Like victim energy. Like they say that predators can recognize a victim. They don't necessarily choose a victim. They do, but it's like they don't necessarily single somebody out and say like I'm going to make that person a victim. It's like they it's like you hear this about pedophiles, audiophiles. They're like audiophiles recognize a certain quality in children who they're going to prey upon. Like there's something about the energy, like they see prey and it, and it's not everybody. They know how to recognize prey. I mean, I think we all have a certain sense for this. It's just that if you're not a predator, your mind doesn't know what to do with that feeling. And that's kind of how Miles and I felt going to this girl's house where it was like, we felt this weird prey energy coming from her, but we didn't know what, what it was. Because we're not predators, it was like we didn't think like, oh, she's prey. But it was just in the air. And like that's the exact sort of thing that my friend and I were talking about, about girls we grew up with. Where like We were talking about that percentage of girls who have been assaulted at a young age. And we were just like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like almost like a certain prey energy. Not that they were docile or they were, like I said, it, it's, it's impossible to actually say what it is. It's just kind of a feeling. But we were both able to practically predict what the other person was saying. And we were saying names practically at the same time. And even if we were wrong about some of them, I think we were picking up on something very real. And so that girl that I'm talking about who was doing all the, like, flashing everything threatening suicide over a boy. I'm just like, something was wrong there. Something went on. You don't just do that. There's either something mentally going on and or something happened. Got real dark here. I started out talking about Justin Bieber and Haley. I started out talking about Haley Bieber. Now I'm talking about childhood sexual assault. Jesus. I mean, it, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised I started out talking about Justin Bieber's wife, and now I'm talking about that. But it's a very sad thought, though. It was very, it was a very sobering conversation, despite how drunk we were, sitting on these railroad tracks just guzzling beer. It was a very sobering conversation because it was just something that we had never really thought, but it was something we had somehow perceived. And it's weird to think about that. Like, it's weird to think, like, in this school of what, like, a thousand, fifteen hundred kids, hundreds of kids. I don't, I don't know how many kids are in school. I never figured out how many kids were in school at any given time. But uh, you just, you don't, you'd never even consider that. But you pick up on things with people. Like, you would pick up on things from certain families. Certain families would feel weird. Certain people's like stepdads and, and things like that. You would sometimes get a weird vibe from them. Like there was a family who lived in my neighborhood who I barely knew because I was young. But they had, they had multiple kids. And uh, the dad was a photographer. And he was always asking to take photos of young girls. Because he was a professional photographer. He was always like, oh, I'd love to like use her as a model and take photos. And my mom said that like she always got a weird vibe from him. Like he had asked to take photos of my sister one time, and my mom said no. 
and it, and it was you know pres, you know he presented it as if it was just like normal like it was just like just going to take some normal photos of her and he probably would have done just that but my mom just got a weird vibe and uh, they moved and like a few years later it came out like he got arrested like he was taking nude photos of girls like I don't remember if he did anything like I don't know remember if he did anything sexual with them he might have but it's like he was he was an audiophile and my mom just got a vibe from him my mom was very perceptive of that kind of thing she was very perceptive of that cuz just like i was saying some people kind of have a have prey energy some people have predator energy and this guy obviously had it and then it came out and like and i my mom's saying too that like she always got a bad vibe from his wife too she was a very sweet woman kind of a doormat but my mom said that like that woman the wife used to tell her stories about like weird sexual shit her and her husband would do like she told my mom that like her and her and her husband had a threesome with her sister so this is this fucked up shit going on in this family. And my mom was just like she like shuddered telling it. She was like the wife always gave me a weird vibe too. Like I felt like she was kind of complicit. Maybe because this guy is controlling her, I don't know, you know. I mean women have some responsibility in these things too, but who knows what the situation was actually like. But it's just weird how you pick up on that. And I mean, I, remember, I was involved with a girl, you know, some years back. It wasn't very serious. I'm not going to go into detail about everything surrounding it. But like she had that prey energy and it really disturbed me because I'd never dated anybody like that. I'd never dated anybody who gave off that sort of prey energy. And she had it. Like she, and from things she told me, you know, that, that energy that she gave off, it was, it was, you know, she, she had absolutely been abused, sexually abused. She hinted at it a number of times, like her mom had her at a very young age and there were like men coming and going, like her parents had her as a teenager and weren't married. So like her mom like went on to have like a million boyfriends and husbands and shit like that. And it became very obvious that, you know, at least one of these men had done something and it was just... It, it, it was awful, you know, it was just an awful thing to realize because it's like she was so, uh, on one hand, like a very like survivor type person, like she was, she was very capable and self-sufficient, but you know, you just, you just like picked up on this very like submissive, broken sort of vibe. We're just going real dark here. But I picked up on it from her, and like, sure enough, that's what was going on. But it, it just made me sad. I mean, some men pursue that, some men want that. But for me, it was just, it was totally foreign to me, and just made me feel really sad. I mean, I was drinking a lot at the time, so I wasn't thinking a lot. But I think you know, you recognize that in people. You pick up on things about people. Your intuition tells you something. Um. How can I, how can I, I need to steer this conversation toward the light.
the whole thing with this show, the whole thing with these monologues, a friend of mine called these my monologues, and I, I like that more. It's not a show. It's just monologues. This is It's like Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now recording himself. That's all this is. When Colonel Kurtz is in the tent talking about a snail crawling on the edge of a razor blade. That's all this is. But I got to steer it back toward the light because when you go from telling like funny stories from childhood, I don't know how I got into that from Haley Bieber and like Instagram makeup. I was talking about image boards and smut. I'm not going to find it. Sometimes I just know I'm not going to find the link. Not going to find like where this spiraled off. I'm trying to stay positive, though. I mean, I, I've been in a bad, bad place mentally. Not not even depressed, you know? Like, I mean, I, some months back, earlier this year, I was going on this show. I was wallowing in my bullshit. I haven't even felt depressed. I've just felt, like, catatonic. And uh, I've just realized, like, I've got to... Nothing is nothing is making me feel good. Like certain people do. Certain people I, I enjoy talking to and everything, but it's like in terms of interest, it's like I've just I've just had no interest in anything. Everything I look at just provokes something bad in me. But I, I I'm just realizing it's like I, I gotta I gotta put some effort in. I gotta I gotta put some kind of effort in <laughs> to get away from that. And, uh, you know, and, and also just talking about, you know, I, I could talk every single day about a new thing I see, a new headline I see, a, a new movie that came out that did this, something somebody said, this article, oh, this thing that's going on that nobody can shut up about. And I just don't want to do that. I think it's good sometimes to kind of hit on that stuff because it is, it is going on and... People are paying attention. I mean, the way I see that is like if everybody's talking about something, like my gut instinct is to not talk about it. But it's kind of like a TV show or something where like sometimes you have to watch the TV show everybody's watching. So you have like something to connect you to people. The problem is, is like what everybody's talking about is such horrible bullshit and it's polarizing. It's people living in two different realities, fighting with each other constantly that's what it is. We live in different realities now. You know, different people live in completely different realities. And to be honest, I enjoy the absurdity. I enjoy the absurdity that's going on. I, I kind of like how irrational and delusional people are these days. It's very lonely and isolating. It's caused me to pull away from people even more than I was previously, which sucks. I don't like that at all. But when I look at it objectively, I'm like, this is amazing. It's amazing to see how quickly people lose their freaking minds. It's amazing how quickly people decide that something is so important, it's worth screaming about. Is this worth screaming about? Oh, so you care about that, huh? You're passionate about that? Is it worth screaming about? 550.
I'm going to do 550. Next time you see me, next time I do a show, I'm going to be out on the street with a $5 bill over my crotch and uh, 50 cents in quarters on each nipple. Like, hey, I knew a girl in seventh grade who did this. I'm going to be 550. Hey, they call me Eric 550. My old neighbor, Terry, who's dead now, middle-aged gay man, a lot of fun. I love that guy. Terry. Just a really fun guy. Over-the-top gay man, but old, older, middle-aged. Would have these big parties. I'd see him out on the town. Very generous guy, just a really sweet guy. He passed away quite a few years ago now. But there was one time I took a cab home, and uh, this guy, like Terry, was always out on the town. He lived at the bars. He had special privileges at the bars. He would have parties, and he would invite all the bartenders, everybody downtown. So he was always taking cabs home. And uh, I took a cab home, and like I was getting dropped off at my house, and he was like, "Oh, you? Do you know that guy?" And he like pointed to Terry's house, and I was like, "Yeah, Terry. You know, I love the guy." And he's like, "We call him Terry 20. And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause he always tips with a twenty dollar bill." So like all the cabbies, we call him Terry Twenty. Like, did you get Terry Twenty tonight? Cause that's what I mean. He was a generous guy. He'd give you a twenty. Give you a twenty dollar bill for driving him five minutes home. But I always love that, like Terry Twenty. I love Nick. I love just good, simple, organic nicknames. He tips twenty dollar bills, so all the cab drivers call him Terry Twenty. I'm Eric Five Fifty. Oh, do you live next to that guy? We call him Eric Five Fifty. Oh, why? Because he he stands out into the street naked, but he has a $5 bill over his crotch and 50 cents on his nipples. You know, I don't, as much as I don't want to know if that's a reference to something, I'm going to look it up. I want to know if that came from something. I don't even know how you'd, how you'd find it. I don't know how you'd find, like, if that's a reference to something. Like, how do you look up whether 550 is a reference? Like, did those girls make that up themselves? In which case, like, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to look up 550 flashing. 550 money. I don't know. Nothing's coming up. I'll probably never know. Those girls might have just made it up on their own. But it seemed esoteric at the time. It was like, what does that mean? You're just like, her nickname is a number. How often do you know somebody? But once again, like a very organic nickname. Because of her flashing the car, her friends gave her the nickname 550. I mean, it almost sounds like a prostitute nickname. <laughs> you know, it, it almost sounds like, oh, that's, that's 550. This is 550's corner. Oh, did you go see 550 this weekend? Sounds like something like that. I saw this thing. I haven't read about Columbine in a couple weeks. 
I get it out of my system. I read about Columbine for like, I stay up really late reading about Columbine for like two nights, three nights. And then I do it again a year later. But I saw an article like yesterday or the day before that was like, this girl who goes to Columbine now is being bullied. And they're bullying her through this like reporting system. It's called like safe to tell. Safe, the number two. A lot of numbers, a lot of numerology here. Terry 20, 550, safe to tell, the number two. But I guess Columbine or maybe a bunch of schools, I don't know. They have some sort of reporting system called safe to tell. And it, what it is, is like you can report if, if a kid is planning something violent. You can report if a kid is you know, dangerous or something to that effect. And they'll investigate it. But kid, it turns out kids are abusing that. And this girl who goes to Columbine now, the same school where the shooting took place, kids are reporting her falsely to safe to tell to humiliate her. And she says it's happened a ton of times. Like they're reporting her as a potential school shooter and she gets pulled out of class and interrogated every time. And she says this has happened over and over again. And I was like, that's so insane that you would do that at Columbine. It just shows you that like people, people just like life just goes back to normal. Life just goes back to normal. Where it's like, you'd think that like a place like Columbine, there would never be any bullying ever again. You'd think that like nobody would fuck with anybody ever again there. Just because they would remember like, hey you know, like 15 kids or 13 kids, whatever, 12 kids and a teacher and two shooters all died here. Like there were literally bombs exploding in this building we're in. There was blood everywhere. 10 kids were massacred in the library that's not here anymore. And the reason it's not here is because that place, you know, we wanted to get rid of the fucking energy of that library slaughterhouse. You'd think that kids who go to that school would be aware of that. Like, you'd think that they would be very hesitant to be mean to each other and attack each other. And what's really crazy about that is that, like, it just shows you the ingenuity of kids where it's like there's this system where you can report dangerous people and they're using that to report a girl who's not dangerous just to fuck with her. You can make these anonymous tips. And because the school has to investigate it, they pull this girl out of class, which humiliates her. They pull, she said they pull her out of class in front of everybody. They bring her down to the office, they interrogate her, and they let her go. And she said, too, that eventually they were like, we're not going to do this to you again. But she said they keep doing it because they have to. And so they're like ruining this girl's life. They're, they're ruining this girl's life. Like It'd be funny if it turned out like she was really dangerous, but... I was just like, it's so wild that that would take place at Columbine. You think if there's any place where just over the generations of kids who go there, they would stop fucking with each other. Not that I think bullying was the sole cause of Columbine. You know, there was a lot more going on there than bullying. Like I know that I know kids were mean to Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, but they were really mean to other kids. Turns out, you know, kids are just mean. It goes around and comes around.
But you you just think that kids would be a little nicer, that they wouldn't like fuck with somebody on that level. But it just shows you like life continues on. 20 years later, oh well. But there was even weird shit. I mean, I'm just going down the Columbine hole again, crawling into the Columbine hole, the Columbine abyss. But you would think that uh, in the immediate aftermath of Columbine, like things would have been fine too. But I think there was a kid who got in trouble like a month after Columbine. Because like after Columbine, like they had the kids go to another high school for a little bit. Because they still had like a month left of school or something to that effect. So they had kids go to another high school for a short time. And while they were there, like one kid got in trouble for like talking about how easily he could sneak a bomb in. <laughs> it's like, it's like this just happened. <laughs> you know, the shooting just happened like a month earlier. And this kid who was at the school at the time, like goes to the new school. They're like busing them to. To finish out the school year and he's telling people how easily he could bring a bomb in so i mean I, life finds a way and what life is is kids being fucking nasty and mean and resentful fucking with each other it's kind of nice in a way because it just shows you that like no matter how bad a tragedy is like kids are just going to be kids but the problem is, is like this is the shit that like, this is the shit that makes people's lives miserable so i was reading this article and i'm just like man It's just amazing that it means nothing to them. Like, it means nothing to them that every single day they go into a building where kids massacred other kids horrifically. And they're still going to fuck with people. I talked to a girl from, uh, I don't know if she went to Columbine. She was from Littleton, which is the town where it took place. I don't know. She may have gone to Columbine, I don't remember, but she was from that little town, Littleton, the little town of Littleton. And I made kind of a Columbine joke, like it wasn't, I shouldn't have made it. it. It wasn't like a gross joke at anybody's expense. It was kind of about the media coverage. It was kind of about the hysteria and media circus, but she didn't find it funny and good for her. Like I, I shouldn't have made the joke. And it wasn't even like a joke with a punchline. Like I said, it was just kind of like me making fun of the media hysteria and the circus of it all. But she was like, that is still something we take very seriously in where I'm from. And I don't think I ever talked to her again. I shouldn't have, made, I shouldn't have brought it up. Because, you know, if you're from Littleton or, like I said, I don't know if she went to Columbine. She might have. But it's like, if you're from Littleton and you went to Columbine, like everybody's going to bring that up one way or another. Everybody's going to reference it. So either way, I was being a dick. I totally take full responsibility for my behavior. And this was many, many years ago. Don't report me to safe to tell. Don't report me to the principal. But it's weird because like you hear about somebody from this place that's like taken on almost like mythological proportions. But, like, she had lived in that town as it happened and may have known people. You know, she might well have known people in that town. I remember that happening, too, with Lacey Peterson. When the, I can't remember, what was her husband's name? Scott Peterson? It looks like a chubby Ben Affleck. 
That's what I thought when I saw him. He looks like a chubby Ben Ben Affleck. You look like a chubby Ben Affleck. He did. And like women love him. He's one of those guys who gets all this attention from psycho women in prison. But when that was like on Nancy Grace 24-7, I remember uh, Nancy Grace is hot. She's hotter than those Instagram girls. This angry southern voice. But uh, when when they were, when Nancy Grace was talking about that, like everybody was that was that was the big story at the time. Like people were obsessed with it. I think that that took place in Redwood City, California. I've known a couple people from there, and I didn't make the joke this time. But somebody else I know made a joke about that case. It's kind of like me making a joke about the media circus around Columbine, like. Who, like whatever friend of mine made a joke about it wasn't joking about the fact that a pregnant woman and her baby inside of her were murdered by her husband and dropped off of a boat or whatever happened. It was just kind of about the hysteria and obsession and circus. But like the it was it was a guy from Redwood City flipped out. He was just like. He was like, I know people who know Lacey Peterson. I knew I know people who knew Lacey Peterson, and that's not funny. Again, you know, you never know who your audience is. I get it. I, I get I get why you'd be upset by that. You just kind of gotta be careful. <laughs> Don't joke about a tragedy that happened in a certain town when you're around somebody from that town. It's a good rule. When you're young, though, you, you say things. That wasn't me that time. It was somebody else. But anyway, what else do I have to say here? Do I got anything else on Haley Bieber? You know, I know at one point I was going to talk about, you know, I was, I was talking about plastic surgery. You know, that uncanny valley effect. I was going to say something about that. That surgery that women have done. I was talking about the difference between like butt and ass and boobs. About an hour ago, I was talking about how there's a difference between a butt and an ass and boobs and tits. And I was talking about how just doing a, just I'm revisiting things here. Just revisiting earlier talking points here. And how uh, at some point asses became, oh, see, I found it. I found the link somehow, despite the fact that my mind is like a million interlocking spirals that are all twisted, gnarled, and tied together, sometimes I find the link, even an hour later. What got me thinking about social contagion and the fact that everybody was obsessed with the same girl in seventh grade and it was very much a social contagion. There was no reason for every guy. Pheromones won't ex don't explain that. But what got me thinking about social contagion is like the fact that suddenly everybody decided they like asses. Like sure, men have always been attracted to a woman's ass. But all of a sudden, like that became the focus. Like that's all everybody talks about. And it, you know, it used to be that women would get boob jumps. They get, get a boob job. 
Boot job. They get a boot job. We even used to get a boot job. That, that suddenly became getting butt implants. And as somebody who's attracted to the, the female ass, as, as they call it, believe it or not, I'm attracted to that, but who always was, not that I'm a trendsetter, I mean, it's just fucking biology, literally fucking biology. When I see an ass implant, which I see more and more of, if I'm looking at smut, it's, it's all the time, I immediately notice it. it it's an uncanny valley effect. The uncanny valley of asses, where you see it and like you see a thumbnail or something and you're like, ooh, oh, oh, hmm. And then you click on it and you're like, it's not, it's an android ass. That's an android ass. I wouldn't even be able to explain exactly what it is because it varies a little bit. But you see that and I'm just like, no. You tried to use a cheat code, and it looks really stupid. These android asses the women have, these cyborg asses, they look stupid. You know, you're either born with it or you're not. And then, and then too, like some women kind of try to get around that by doing exercises that like build up their butt. I don't know if it's squats. I don't know. I mean, when I when I lift weights and work out, I don't I don't do anything to my ass. I don't do a single thing with that in mind. I can't even imagine it. But women they'll they'll do specific exercises. These Instagram girls like they have videos of it. They always have videos of themselves like doing squats in the gym. I hate gym videos like that. Even if it's a girl I'm attracted to, I hate these videos of them in the gym doing squats. And even though that's better than getting surgery, I don't like that look either. I don't like the look of them like building up their ass at the gym. You're either born with it or you're not. But because the social contagion has led like all of these men who like just discovered asses in the last 20 years who just discovered like the idea that a, you know, like a fully figured woman is attractive. Like now women are like, oh, I, I have to build up my ass because all of these men who just discovered asses in the last 20 years, 15 years, like I want them to like me. Keep it, you know, keep what you're born with. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how strong my opinion is on that. Actually, I don't think I have a problem. No, I don't. I don't think I have a problem with women like building up their asses at the gym. I think that's fine. I think I like it actually. What I don't like is the gym footage. I don't like to know that's what you did. I don't want to know that you go to the gym and you do squats that specifically target your glutes. Is that what they are, glutes? I don't want to know that you did it that way. But it's weird, like people are augmented. They're augmented. 
And the one that I, I find horrific, like the fake asses, like I'm not attracted to it. Like there's something extra shiny about it. Like when you see these these Instagram girls or these these girls who post photos online and like they show off their ass, their ass, when they show off their ass, it's always very shiny, like too shiny, like a bald man's head. Oh, your ass, it looks like a, it looks like two bald men's heads stuck together. Looks like somebody took two oversized bald men's heads and just stuck them together. But when I see that, like, it turns me off. But, like, the thing that I find, it, it, it's not freakish to me. The ass surgery, like, I don't like it, but it's not freakish. It doesn't disturb me. I just, it, it's like, I don't like that. That's not sexually attractive to me. What I find freakish and horrific is this waist thing they're doing. Where women are getting this surgery done to their waist that makes their waist very skinny and then they're getting some sort of surgery that widens their hips and ass. And it looks like somebody made a bad CGI model. It looks terrible. And I can only imagine what that's going to look like when they're older. I can only imagine. You're becoming an android. You're... And it, it's just simply not attractive, but some men like it, apparently. Like, if you look at these image boards with comments and stuff, it's like a woman who looks like that will post a photo. She has big fake lips. Not just that they're big and puffy and Botoxed or whatever it is people do to them. They're always misshapen. Like, when I was looking at Haley Bieber, we haven't forgotten about Haley Bieber here. We haven't forgotten about Haley Bieber. We haven't talked. We have. We haven't forgotten about Haley Bieber. But uh, you know, when I was looking at her lips, they're like misshapen. It's not just that they're unnatural. They're like misshapen. And uh, whoa, shit! Dropping my vape. That's what we call dropping the vape. It's a euphemism for losing your mind. Dropping the vape. And so they're misshapen on top of everything else. So you see these girls on Instagram and places, and it's like weird misshapen lips, this weird plastic surgery surgery slash makeup to their cheeks. Their faces look unreal. They don't look attractive. And then their bodies are just so fucked up now. They've gotten their waist surgically reduced to be very thin but then they've had their their hips widened and their ass augmented they have an augmented ass and you just look at it and you're like i can't even imagine being attracted to that and then you look at comments and it's like a bunch of hungry guys we're like oh my god you look good oh my god oh my god dude and you see this too i've talked about this before but when women post photos of themselves, I don't look at nudity. I think I've said that before many times, but I don't look at nudity. I try to avoid nudity. But still, like women will post these photos of themselves, like posing in lingerie and revealing outfits. And they're always captioned with these really 
graphic like come-ons. Like, will you come over and do blah, blah, blah to my blah, blah, blah? I'm looking for a guy to stick his face in my blah, 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 blah. And that's a, that's a turnoff to me. That kind of dirty talk, not attractive to me. Graphic dirty talk, not cool. It's not cool. But they'll pose it as a question like, will you come over and they do blah, blah, blah to my blah, blah, blah? And sure enough, though, like, you'll, you'll have like 20 guys commenting. I sure will. I sure will. I'm just trying to imagine being that guy. Like, you know, anything I could ever say negative about women, including these types of women, seeing the guys who respond to this, it's, it's such a lower level of existence. That's what I think of. I'm like, this is such a low level of existence. To be a sort of guy who responds as like, I sure will. Just say the words. And what I've heard too, like OnlyFans, what I've heard about OnlyFans is like some of these women who have accounts on there, they're actually managed by their boyfriend or husband sometimes. And when you subscribe to it, like one of the perks, one of the perks of this thing is that you can talk to her. You can like message her and she'll message you back. But what I've heard, I, I can't remember where it was, but I was listening to some interview with a woman who's on OnlyFans. And she was saying her husband manages it and like her husband's the, the one talking to these guys. Like her husband pretends to be her. I mean, maybe he gets some sick thrill out of it, but I think it's just a business to a lot of these people. And it's just like her husband, she doesn't have time to answer these things. So it's like these hungry men, these, these men who are just existing on a very low level. They're just living in the mud, crawling around in the, the mental mud all the time. Like they think they're talking to this hot woman and they're paying her money to see photos that you could get for free of a million other women. Videos that you get for free of a million other women. And they think they're talking to her, but they're actually talking to her boyfriend or her husband. He's pretending to be her. But you know, it doesn't even make a difference because all this shit is fake anyway. But these, these comments from men, I'm just always like, man, to be at that level. The only time that I ever remember talking that way, <laughs> not, not that way particularly, but like I remember like probably close to a decade ago, I was on OkCupid really drunk. And I remember I just messaged this girl, and uh, she had a really seductive photo. She wasn't just a random girl. Like, she had a photo of herself, like, kneeling with her back to the camera wearing panties. And uh, I hate that word, panties, but, you know, I'm telling an embarrassing story here. I might as well use embarrassing words. But she was kneeling with like her like her back to the camera. It wasn't like explicit or anything, but it, it was obviously very suggestive. And she was looking at the camera, so you could see her face. And she had other pictures. She was real. I could tell she was real. But I was wasted. I got home from the bar, and I was just wasted. And I remember I sent her a message. I was like, "Doors unlocked. Come on over." 
I didn't give her my address. I just sent her a message like doors unlocked. I'm like, as someone who doesn't even have casual sex, you know, someone who does, who's never slept around a lot, like, <laughs> you know, what, what would I even have done? <laughs> doors unlocked. Come on over. But the thing, I mean, it was comedy. Like, like I knew how silly that was to say. Like, I was wasted, and it was really funny to me to say that. And I think she responded or something. I, I want to say that I did that. She called me Hun. She, she sent me a message that was like, how you doing, Hun? But she was way younger than I was. Like, I, I was probably in my mid to late 20s, I would guess. And she was like 20. And she called me Hun, like she's like some grizzled diner waitress. But it was, that, that was like, that's the only time that I can remember myself ever saying anything like, doors unlocked, come on over. It's like, there's no, there's, there's no address. It's not like I was like, here's my address, please come over, doors unlocked. She probably get like her, she probably had a boyfriend or something, like get her boyfriend and like his gang. Oh, the door's unlocked? We're going to go home invasion time. Home invasion time. He said the door's unlocked. There's a, there's a horny drunk guy in this house, and he told me the door's unlocked. Let's go rob him. But there's some men, and like they're just in that world all the time. They're just, they're just online. Sure will. Just say the word. Door's unlocked. And... Uh, you see this on Facebook even. Like every once in a blue moon, I'll get a friend request on Facebook for an obviously fake woman. It's an obviously fake account. Like they just stole photos of some like really textbook beautiful woman on a beach. It's, it looks like stock photography. <laughs> it looks like a stock photo. And uh, they'll make some face. It's obviously some sort of scam for some reason I don't know. I don't know what kind of scam it is, but for some reason, somebody made some sort of fake account and they're just adding men all over the world. And you go to her page, and it's not a her, who knows who this is, who knows if this is even a human, but you go to the, the Facebook page and you'll see that like all of these men across the entire world are like replying to all of her, these stock photos that were stolen from somewhere else, like pretty much just like a Google search. Like if you typed in like, beautiful woman on a beach it's like it's those photos and you'll see like men in africa and india and like old gray-haired men you know in the midwest and they'll be like oh my god you're beautiful oh you're looking hot under their own name this is something that anybody can see like if somebody types in your name this will come up like, I'm just imagining, like, I'm all, I already feel weird about, like, digital footprints and all that. I already feel weird about the database where you just type in someone's name and you can, like, find all this information and things they've done. But just imagining, like, if there was some, if my digital footprint included, like, me on Facebook responding to a stock photo of a woman who's probably some, some like, Nigerian scammer and being like, oh, my God, the door's unlocked. But men are that's, you know, men, some men, they live on a very low level. They're easily manipulated. They deserve to be scammed almost. I don't think anybody deserves to be scammed, but it's like they walk right into it. <laughs>
And you hear stories about that. I mean, I, I've, I've read articles about that, like in those situations, like some, it's catfishing, I guess, what they call catfishing, doing a little catfishing here. But like, you'll, you'll hear about these men who get catfished and they're like paying hundreds of dollars to this stock photo of a woman. It's like just the idea of it is enough. They just like the idea of it. And these are the types of guys, like the, the types of guys, like these guys are so susceptible to being scammed. The, their, their brains are just, there's, they're just, I don't even know what they're, I, I don't even know if there is a brain in there. I think there's something in their skull. I think there, there's something that looks like a brain. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in it because... They see a photo of a woman and they're just like, yep. Oh, my God. I think you should fawn over women a little bit, though. I think you should fawn over women a little bit. You know, some people push back too hard on that. Like, just to play a little devil's advocate here. I think some people push back a little too much on, like, fawning over a beautiful woman. Because I respect beauty, you know, I respect hotness, <laughs> hotness. That's how Jewish people say hot, <laughs> hot. But uh, I respect hotness. Like if a woman is just truly hot, I respect that. And I think they should be fawned over a little bit. Like, I think, you you know, you should indulge the Tex Avery wolf sometimes. You know, the Tex Avery wolf, the cartoon wolf, whose eyes bulge out when he sees a woman, his tongue rolls out. Like, I think you need to do that every once in a while. I think you need to look at a beautiful woman and just let your tongue roll out. Not in her presence. But I remember that at bars. Like, I remember hanging out at bars and, like, being really drunk with friends. And there'd be, like, a textbook hot chick. Like, blonde... Because in this town, like, women try to make themselves look ugly. When I first moved here, like, there was still, there was still kind of like a, an indie rock hipster trend where, like, every girl was cutting her hair kind of short and dressing in, like, a billowy thrift store dress. They were trying to look like your grandma. But it's gone downhill from there, where, like, a lot of women in this town just, they, they purposely try to make themselves look really rough and unattractive. I mean, a lot of them have these prison tattoos and stuff, too, that I started out talking about, the Bieber prison tattoos. They've just, like, gone out of their way. And, and like, the thing is, though, like, a really hot chick is still going to be hot. Like, if a girl is truly hot and beautiful, H and B, it doesn't really matter what she does. Like, she could shave her head. Like, a girl who's truly stunning can, like, shave her head bald, and you're like, yeah, you know, I still get it. I get it. It's not ideal, but I get it. But a lot of women around here, like, they purposely make themselves look pretty rough. Not that they have to do otherwise. They're welcome to do that. But I'm allowed to look at them and say, yeah, it looks a little rough. But not genuinely rough. Not white trash rough, which is hot. Just kind of like, oh, you're an artsy girl who's like trying to make yourself look rugged. You're just an artsy girl trying to make yourself look rugged. Get away. But like being in this environment, like being in bars filled with that, 
when like a truly just like textbook blonde hot chick would come in, I would turn into the Tex Avery Wolf. Like I remember sitting at a table with friends and like standing up and then like repositioning myself so that I, I just kind of had this woman in my peripheral vision. And I wasn't even being a creep about it. It was funny. But to me, that's what it was. It was like, I got to acknowledge the hotness because it's it, it's in, in such sharp contrast to everybody else here. I want to pay my respect to the hot chick here. I feel that way any, anywhere I go. <laughs> I feel that, <laughs> I feel that, <laughs> I feel that, that, that way anywhere I go. Like if I'm in a grocery store and there's like a woman who's truly stunning, like I said, I, I'm not going to stare at her. But like in my own mind, I'm like, I, I have to acknowledge the hotness. I have to honor the hotness because you don't get to, you don't get to see this every day. Just got to acknowledge the hotness here. Got to be the Tex Avery wolf, even in my own mind. There's a wolf inside of me and his tongue is rolling out. His eyes are shooting out. My favorite thing that the Tex Avery wolf did he has that tall glass of booze. It's like some kind of fancy drink. And how he like holds it up to his mouth very slowly, like he's going to sip it. And he just drinks the whole thing down in one, in one shot. He drinks an entire glass. That was totally me. That's how I drink. No joke. When I still drank, like I used to do that. Like I just, I'd buy like a mixed drink. Be like, I'm going to sip this. I'm just going to sip it. Hold it up to my lips and I just drink the whole thing down. I'm the Tex Avery Wolf. I also love, like, like I fucking love that character. Like, there's the stuff he does where he, he's driving the car and he's parallel parking. And he's in some old-timey car because it's an old-timey cartoon. Old-timey cartoons have old-timey cars. Car, cartoon. But how he's, he's trying to pa parallel park. And then, like, he... He like gets in between him, and then he just like starts ramming the car in front of him and the car behind him. He's just a total psycho. I love that character. He, that character is better than any like Looney Tunes or Disney. I don't even know what that's. I'm trying to think of what that even is from. Like, what is the Tex Avery Wolf? Is that? I'm gonna look it up. Five when I when I tried my. Uh, my earlier lifeline where I tried to look up like if 550 was a reference to something, like if those girls got it from somewhere, that lifeline didn't count because I didn't find anything. But I, I want to look up the Tex Avery Wolf and then I'm going to sign off. I'm going to sign off. Tex Avery. Um, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, oh man, I'm seeing the wolf. I love this character. Um, what's he from, though? He's, he's originally from Cinderella. That makes sense. That makes sense that they adapted him from a Cinderella cartoon. Oh, his name's Slick. Oh, he's even better than I thought. I didn't know his name. His name's Slick Joe McWolf, better known as simply The Wolf. Oh, he's from Droopy. So he's one of Droopy the dog's main enemies. Oh, you know, interesting. It, it's actually, 
He varies from being one of Droopy's main enemies to being his best friend. So he's both a friend and enemy of Droopy. That makes sense. I mean, the wolf seems like a guy that, like, he's he's either your friend or your enemy, depending on the situation. Um, I'm not just going to read this wiki article, but I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um... No, I'm not going to find anything interesting here, but... Oh, Red Hot Riding Hood. Okay, that, yeah, that makes sense now. He's originally from Red Hot Riding Hood. Which, I'm going to look up Red Hot Riding Hood. I'm just... This is the gift that keeps on giving. Because just that name, Red Hot Riding Hood. Red Hot Riding Hood. Oh, yeah, I know who she is. She's the girl he's always fawning after. Like she's a showgirl. Like when Tex Avery's uh, uh, Tex Avery, when uh, when Slick Joe Wolf has his eyes popping out of his head and his tongue rolling out, it's because he's looking at Red Hot Riding Hood as a showgirl, and she's hot. Like I'm willing to admit, cartoons are hot. I've always I've always thought cartoons were hot. I mean, this, this is like a textbook answer, but like uh, Jessica Rabbit. You know, you you, you watch that. Like, how could you not be attracted to that? You know, there's a lot of guys these days who are into, like, anime girls and hentai. I'll just stick with good old Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbi. Okay, yeah, Red Hot Riding Hood. It all makes sense now. Because they were playing on a Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf story. Except what makes it funny is that, like, in this, like, you know, show tune scenario where the wolf is wearing a tux and drinking booze and driving around in old-timey cars like he's a lecher. That's a fun adaptation. That's what we call a fun adaptation, is when you take a, you take Little Red Riding Hood, you turn her into a hot older woman, and then you, you turn the wolf into just this like lecherous man in a bow tie. That's classic. Yeah, because he's a total creep. Slick Joe Wolf is a, a total creep. He's a predator. But interestingly, Red Hot Riding Hood has red hair. Orange ginger hair. She's a ginger. And so is Jessica Rabbit. Like, what's up with hot like old hot cartoons and red hair? Like, I've always known guys who, like, they'll point out to you, like, I'm really into girls with red hair and freckles. That's their thing. That makes them different. It's like guys used to say that about small boobs. There was always that one guy who was like, I'm actually into small boobs. Good for you, man. I mean that. But it's almost like it's like this is my this makes me unique. I'm into ginger girls with freckles and small boobs. Better than being into these androids we have today. Because I can tell you, like Red Hot Riding Hood, she might be a cartoon, but she's more real than these girls on Instagram. She's more real than these girls on these these smut image boards I occasionally look at. I'm seeing a, a new drawing of her because, like, she's hot to begin with. Like, she has cleavage. 
a good shape. I am talking about a cartoon here, but she has cleavage in a good shape. But somebody did a newer drawing of her where she's stacked. They made her totally stacked. I bet there's a lot of people who look at cartoon porn. You know, I know that's been a thing for a long time, but I bet it's gone up. To be honest, though, I'd rather look at cartoon porn at this point than some of what's available. I'd rather look at that than like a girl who got plastic surgery so that her face looks the way her face looks when she puts an Instagram filter on it. Like, I want to look the way my face looks when it's been filtered on social media. I want to actually look like that. Although I do respect that when women go all out, like when they make it a point to make themselves freakish, like when they go, like like Octomom, not attracted to her in the least. If you remember Octomom, I think I'm guessing what she was. I don't know if this is true, but I'm guessing like her story was that like she tried to make herself look like Angelina Jolie and failed, but still kind of looked like her in a, in a weird way. Like she looked like somebody tried to turn, it looked like somebody tried to, to make a, an Android Angelina Jolie, but it just. It turned into some sort of grotesque monstrosity. And when that didn't get her what she wanted, she had eight kids in vitro. But she was a big story for a while, Octomom. But I almost respect like that level of freakishness. Like, like she did something insane to her lips and her face. You know, she did something very weird to herself. And the question is just always like what you see in the mirror. Like people wonder about comb overs and all that. Like, does he really think people don't know he's bald? As a balding man, like I think some guys just want something on top of their head. I mean, that's a suck. That's the thing that sucks about losing your hair. It's not just that you're going bald and everything goes along with that. It's just like it's nice to have something on top of your head. I've still got enough hair that I have something on top of my head, but like. You know, how many comb-overs are just that? Like, I just want something on top of my head. I'm not trying to convince you I'm not bald. Just like when a woman wears makeup, she's not trying to convince people that that's how her face really looks. Maybe she is, but, like, we can all see the eyeliner. We can all see what's the lipstick and what's going on. That's kind of how I see comb-overs. It's like it's not trying to hide anything. It's just kind of like, hey, you know, I don't have anything on top of my head, and I just, I just miss having something on top of my head. But some people are delusional. I mean, there are probably guys who have comb-overs and they look in the mirror and they're like, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on here. And I always wonder that with plastic surgery. Like, do they know? Do they actually know? Like, do they know? Do they see an android staring back at them? Do they want to be an android? Do they care? 550. But we're living in an android world, you know? And I, I, I've made this point before, but it's like you could say that any kind of editing is an Android. Like if you're looking at pictures of somebody online and they've edited them, if, they, if they've done some sort of editing to try to make themselves look better, even if it's subtle, they're, uh, they're already an Android. They're already acting like an Android. If they're trying to present themselves in a way that they don't actually look like, they've used some sort of filter, like a, like a significant filter, 
not just something small that kind of makes the picture look better overall, but if they've used some sort of filter that actually changes them in some way, you're already acting like an Android. Acting like an Android. I feel like I had one more thing I wanted to say. Something related to acting like an Android. Acting like an Android. Make a good pop punk song. I mean, that's already been going on in music. You know, this seems like an obvious old man thing to complain about, but like auto-tune vocals. I really didn't expect that to, to go on as long as it has. You know, there was that Cher song that was good. I'm not a Cher fan, but that when she came out with that song in the 90s, it was the first like really well-known use of auto-tune on vocals. It sounded good. They did it right. But now it's like it's like now it's just like you're listening to like black guys mumble through an auto tune, and that's like all music today. All music is just black guys mumbling into an auto tune. I didn't expect that to be some of the main music that people have listened to over the last 10, 15 years. You're basically listening to a cyborg. You're listening to an Android. And I mean, as Timothy Leary said, though, the only time I ever, I'll ever quote Timothy Leary, the only thing I ever heard him say <laughs> uh, is, if you wear glasses, you're a cyborg. If you use a cane, you're a cyborg. So we're all cyborgs one way or another. It's just some people have gone all in. Like, I think we should, we're all cyborgs, but we should all strive to be reluctant cyborgs. We should all strive to be reluctant androids. That should be like the progressive versus conservative issue. And maybe it will be. Like conservatives are going to say like, you know, I think, I think it's like Michael Malice or somebody who says conservatism is progressivism driving the speed limit, which I think is perfect. You know, because it's like conservatives, like, Conservatives today are, are liberal by the standards of 10 years ago. Like, they eventually get there. Conservatives eventually become more liberal. It inevitably happens. But they're driving the speed limit, whereas, like, progressives are speeding into it. And conservatives tend to be like, okay, let's, let's slow this down. Let's go the speed limit if we're going to get there. And so I can see that happening with all this Android shit, where it's like, in 10 years, conservatives are going to be like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be, we shouldn't become total cyborgs quite yet. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't go all in on this. Whereas like progressives will just be robot death squads. People who just fully embraced this new augmented living. But I think we should be very conservative, no matter what your politics are. Like, I think you should be very conservative about technology. We're not nearly, like, there's no consensus on it, which there should be. Like, we should vote on these things. We should vote on whether you 
whether phones should have this feature. I don't like regulation, but when things are going to like fundamentally change our reality, I think they should be laid out before us and we should discuss them and vote on them. Do we really want to live in a society where people can do this? And uh, I think it's good. Like, you know, I'm a linguistic conservative. My, my view on that is the same. Like, if there's new slang, I don't trust it. I only trust slang if, it, if it's common for like 10 years. If people are still using new slang 10 years later, I start to trust it. I'm like, okay, this, this is here to stay. But if you jump on new slang right away, like I've noticed this lately. It, it, I didn't notice this. I noticed it with the term fire, which I hate. This is going to be a three-hour episode. I already know. I'm not even going to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> At this point, I'm not even going to sleep. I've been getting so little sleep. But, uh, you know, with uh, with language, like I, I noticed, uh, you know, some years back, like all of a sudden, like, you know, younger people were saying things were fire. I like cool, which is the opposite of fire but yet it's used in the same way. And I mean, that might've been like a phone thing. Like people might've started saying fire because they initially started using the fire emoji. Emoji. And then they started actually saying it out loud. That's fire. I've never heard that and liked it. I've always cringed inside when I hear anybody over the last five, six years be like, Dude, that's fire. Oh, dude, this song is so fire. I'm probably a hate... I'm, I'm, I'm a hateful person, I guess. Because I hear that and it bothers me. I don't trust it. I don't trust people. Especially older people. Like, the youth... I have no criticism of the youth. I will never criticize the youth for inventing their own slang and saying things. When older people adopt the slang of youth, I just want to line them up and, you know let the firing squad sort it all out, you know? I don't trust those people. But fire was really the only one that I, I remember over the last few years. But all of a sudden, I'm noticing a lot of people my age, in my general age range, using Zomer slang. And I don't even want to say what it is, but I've noticed it more and more. And it's a good example of, like, people will use it ironically, like... There was some comedian I was listening to, and I could tell that he initially started using Zoomer slang ironically. Like, I'll just say what one of them is, like, like no cap. No cap means no lie. And I'm guessing a lot of this stuff comes from black people, because a, a lot of, like, new slang is just taken from black people. But I, I noticed this comedian, like using a bunch of Zomer slang, and I could tell he probably started using it ironically, and now he just uses it. That's an untrustworthy person. You should learn your slang young. It should be the slang of your generation. And you should only adopt new slang very reluctantly. Because you're untrustworthy, you're flimsy. I love the slang of my youth, you know, I, I love the slang that I grew up using. I don't want to adopt young people's slang. That's like plastic surgery to me, it really is. When I hear somebody who adopts new slang way too quickly, 
they might as well have gotten an ass job. They might as well, you know, have, have gotten some new, they might as well have gotten Botox in their lips. It's the verbal equivalent of that. You know, don't do that. You're untrustworthy. You're flimsy. You don't have a foundation. And my favorite word of all time is cool. I'll never find a better word than cool. And what I like about cool is that it makes me feel good. Even though I don't take it literally, like literally coldness, like, oh, that gives me a cold chill. It's still kind of, it's refreshing. Like when I, when I think of when something's cool, it's like a refreshing feeling. It's like cool air. I feel like just like, it's almost like having a, it's like you're a little bit overheated. You've been in a hot room. You're feeling a little feverish and you step outside and it's not freezing cold, but you just get a little gust of cool air in your face. That's what the word cool is like. It's very literal to me in some ways. Fire is awful. It's hot. It's hot-blooded. I like cool. Cool is just a foundation of my life. And it, it had a long... I mean, people still use it. It's never been uncool to say cool. You can see where other slang comes and goes. Like people in the 1950s used to say neat. Oh, hey, we're going to Jenny's party this weekend. It's going to be neat. Oh, dude, that's neat. And that didn't make you a dork in the 1950s. In the 1950s, you would call things neat and mean it. And people would take you seriously. That must be neat. But that became really uncool. Like, neat became something. Like, by the time I was a kid, if you called something neat, you were a dork. You were a nerd. But cool. I mean, people in the 1950s said cool. People in the 1990s said cool. It never became uncool to say cool. And what's great about cool is it's almost, uh, it's spiritual. Like you can't define it. You just know it. You just know cool when you see it. You know when somebody's cool. You know when something's cool. You know when something's uncool. You know when you're being uncool. I don't know if I don't know if Zomers and young people today. I don't. I don't even know who the younger generations are. I don't know what the next generation is after the Zomers, but I don't know if the young people how they feel about cool. But it doesn't seem to be something that you get made fun of for. Cool is just remain cool. Why would I replace that with something else? I remember when tight came around. I didn't trust it. I didn't trust tight. When my friends and I started smoking weed, we'd jokingly use it. Just like I was talking about that comedian, like I could tell that he like jokingly uses Zoomer slang now. Or he, he like jokingly used Zoomer slang and now he just uses it, even though he's my age. That's kind of what happened with tight. Like I've already been through this. I've already been through this spin cycle in high school. Like when someone would say tight, like my friends and I would kind of look at each other and laugh because it was, you sounded so stupid. Oh, that's tight. Dude, that's tight. That's fucking tight, dude. You sounded silly saying it. We started smoking a bunch of weed when we got really into weed, probably junior year of high school. 
And like we were really stoned and like one of us said something was tight and we all laughed. And so when we'd smoke weed, we'd say something was tight and laugh about it. it took like two weeks before we started saying things were tight and meaning it. It seemed to make more sense when we were high though. It was like, that's tight. Yeah, that, that actually is tight. Seemed to make some sense. I think we all stopped doing it. That's how it gets you though. You use something ironically and next thing you know, you're using it, you mean it. That's tight. I, I don't know where that one came from. Like, is that like a sexual thing? Did people start saying things are tight because of like the sexual connotation or, I don't know, it just sounded good. I'm always fascinated too by uh, like how slang gets invented, especially pre-internet. Like now we can see that it spreads rapidly. It comes and goes rapidly. All it takes is a few people using something online and all of a sudden everybody's using it. Pre-internet though, it's very fascinating because it was organic. And it didn't come from TV and radio. Like slang, like TV and radio, uh, I don't know about, I don't know why I'm talking about radio, but you know, like TV shows and movies, they were slow to adopt slang. Like they were usually outdated. Like by the time movies started being like, that's rad. Rad was no longer, rad was kind of like over the hill. Like, like in my, when I was growing up, like anytime you'd watch a new movie that had teens in it, there was a good chance they were using like slightly outdated slang and it was kind of funny. Because by the time you actually like wrote a movie and produced it, culture had changed a little bit. And so things move slower, but it always, so it's like people weren't picking up on this stuff from TV and movies. Maybe they were picking up on it through a little bit of pop culture through like, I don't know, bands. And I don't even know, but not just that. Cause a lot of it like spread through the youth. And what's amazing is that it, it would travel all around the country. Like a new slang term would become popular somewhere. And next thing you know, people would be using it on the opposite side of the country. And I wonder how much of that was like, did somebody's cousin from New York visit their family on the West Coast and like teach their cousins new slang? And then those cousins went to school and other people picked it up. I don't know how it works. I don't know how slang managed to make its way all around the, the country. But interestingly, in the past, there was regional slang. Like when I first got the internet, I made friends with a, a guy who lived in Pittsburgh, just outside of Pittsburgh. We used to talk a lot. He was my age. And one time he was like, do people say Dece there? And he spelled it D-E-C-E. -E, and I said, what is that? Like, what is that? What is that? He said, do people say Dece? And I, I had no idea like what he was even referring to. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, oh, well. It's like a, it's short for decent. He's like, people say it all the time here. Like if something's cool, they say it's, it's dece. That's dece. Yo, baby, that's dece. Yeah, it's hella dece. You know, whatever way they said it. And it blew my mind because I was like, oh, he lives in a place. He's my age and he's in high school. We have common interests. But he lives in a place where kids go around saying dece. That's weird. And, you know, California, obviously, 
invented a lot of regional slang. Where I live picked up on a lot of that. Like the way I would describe, like at least in the past, like the way people in the Pacific Northwest used to talk, it was kind of like we were like the depressed version of California. We talked like depressed surfers. And I had a friend who told me that. Like I, I had a friend from Florida who was like, you, know, you, you, sound, you just sound like a surfer. I was like, I sound like a surfer? But I think he was just picking up on what I'm talking about, which is like Pacific Northwest has a history of talking kind of like depressed surfers. But I think there's less and less. Of that. I think there's less regional slang now. Because, you know, we, we all know about y'all. We all know about Southern slang. Another thing about Pittsburgh is like they say yins. Like their version of y'all is yins. The yins want to go. The yins want to go to a movie. That one's really bad. Yins. Y-I-N-Z, I guess. But I'm really fascinated by that. Like regional slang. Like even in America where everybody's consuming the same pop culture, where everybody, you know, has a lot in common just in terms of what they pay attention to. The fact that like we had different terms around the country. Now I think that's less the case because I think people are getting all their language online. They're all getting language from the same place. So it's like language has become more homogenous. So like when new slang develops, it's not regional. But it always fascinated me like how that spread around. Because you can't just invent a new slang word and people will use it. Like you have to have a you have to have a certain charisma. And my mom had a story, like she had this boyfriend in high school who was a very popular basketball player, really smart guy. And she said uh, he would fuck with people that way. Where like he would, co- he would come up with some like new slang term and just as a social experiment, he would start using it and see what would happen. Because he was a popular guy, but not an asshole. This was like my mom's like like high school love, her high school sweetheart. He was not my dad. My mom, my mom liked somebody before my dad. But uh, you know, she said that like as a social experiment, like because he would tell my mom this, he's like he's like I'm gonna see what happens. Like I'm I'm gonna start using this new slang in school and just kind of see what happens. And she said it would pick it would it would take off like. Next thing they knew, like people in the school would be using this new slang term that he just made up as a gag. He just made it up as a gag and and just decided to like start slipping it into conversations to see what would happen. And that makes a lot of sense to me though, because like it takes someone like that who's charismatic. Like I'm not the kind of person who could, I don't think I'm the type of person, maybe I am, but I don't think I'm the type of person who could come up with new slang and and nobody would use it. I just don't have that. I just don't have that ability to do that. I have friends who did though. Like thinking about a friend of mine I grew up with who was just always had people following him. People always looked to him for approval and just for whatever. They kind of followed his lead. I could imagine him coming up with slang and people following him and just being like, oh, that's the new word. We're going to use it. But uh, I guess that's how it happens. Like the right person has to use the word and then it'll take off. But yeah, that, that organic travel of, of information, like how, how people across, even though there was regional slang, like even though in Pittsburgh they say yins and dees, which is so stupid. 
when I heard that, I was insulted because he didn't say Deese. He never once, like my friend in Pittsburgh, he never once said Deese to me. Thank you for that. Wherever you are, man, I don't know where you are, but thank you for not using Deese with me. But uh, even though regional slang used to develop like that, common slang would develop across the entire country. And it always fascinated me how that happened, how slang propagated, became popular. I'm going to make 550 popular. I'm going to, when something's cool, I'm going to say 550. Dude, that's 550, man. Because part of it's like esoteric. Like, I think the reason youth pick up on this stuff is because it's like they want it to be kind of hidden. They don't want adults to understand what they're saying. They don't want older generations to understand what they're saying. So they kind of code their language. 550. If someone wants to figure out the root of that, oh, there's this new slang called 550. It was it was actually invented by this schoolboy, this guy who does monologues for himself. He does two-hour monologues. You know, he invented it. Well, what does it mean? What does 550 mean? Well, it, it's a reference to when this 12-year-old girl took all her clothes off in front of a car. And it's unknown if she actually had a $5 bill on her crotch and two quarters on her boobs. But that was the joke. 550. 550. That's probably... <laughs> at this rate, I'm going to be going to bed at 550, so I'm going to go... Children can run free.